welcome to Offwatch, a podcast by the Ocean Race. So far, we've heard from sailors, navigators, tacticians, skippers, even performance analysts about what it takes to perform at their best during the race. But we haven't heard that much about what it takes to build a campaign. So this week, I sat down with Bianca Cook from New Zealand. She did the last edition of the race on board Turn the Tide on Plastic. Now she's lining up to skipper a boat in 2022. And I talked to her about building a campaign, selecting crew, and what it's like trying to learn how to be a leader herself. Bianca Cook's passion for sailing is infectious. She has had a love for the sport on display since sweeping the boatyards as a child to pushing the limits in the Southern Ocean on board Turn the Tide and Plastic in the last edition of the race. And she has no plans to stop. Before the boats had even seen the final finish line in The Hague, Bianca knew she wanted to try and do the race again. And it turns out that the next time will be as skipper for a New Zealand flag boat. Bianca, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I'm really fascinated by that because a lot of people talk about doing the race and certainly offshore in general, and you have to stop. You have to get off the boat. You have to wait for all the bad stuff to drain away before you realise, oh, this is pretty This is pretty good. Uh, but I saw an interview with you and you were saying, yeah, I, I, wanted, you know, I knew I was going to do this race again. What was it that when you were out there, what were those moments that made you go, this is good fun and I want more? It, you know, they always say that it's a huge adrenaline rush and that is without a doubt the absolute truth. Um, you know, when you're sending it down some of those ways, you're like, oh man, does this have to stop? I mean, there were certainly legs where you're like counting down the days going, okay, all right, we're just going to finish. But um, no, towards the end, it was, I think also as a team, <clears throat> excuse me, I think also as a team we really started to kind of find our feet and become quite competitive and you know really prove to the other teams in the race that we were we were there to actually compete and you know give them a hard time um so I think you know once we became more competitive I realized that it was something that I just wanted to continue with don't get me wrong after the race finished I certainly took a break and um went and did some studies and got my officer of the watch ticket and kind of had to sit back for a bit and my mum was like really you want to do this again um, but no, I mean, I'm just really, really excited to kind of one, finally have the boat back in the water, which is amazing because we've had the boat for so long, but yeah, I think, I think this race, it's like, it really draws you in and, um, I just really can't wait to just get back out there and sailing again. Well, I want to get an update from your team. I want to hear all about it. Um, but before I do, it's interesting that you mentioned your officer of the watch qualification because, it's not only the miles that pull people in to do the ocean race. I mean, you came into the last edition of the ocean race with you know, tens of thousands of miles, but you, you, know, you must see some pretty unique things and you must go to some pretty crazy places. While you're down there and while you're doing it, are you so focused on the race that you get a chance to look around and sort of take it all in? Or is, it, is there enough of a chance to go, wow, you know, let me just soak up this view? <laughs> I mean honestly there's nothing like sunsets when you're out at sea um and yeah you're definitely definitely competitive and, and in the race and your mind is in the race as much as possible but obviously every now and then you daydream and uh, you take in your surroundings and I can remember actually when we were coming around Cape Horn and then we actually had rig issues that was kind of a, a chance for us all to kind of take a breath but I cannot describe the the feeling that we had then because we were surrounded by like 20 albatross 
and it was just incredible. And and I'd seen Albatross before, and um, just being surrounded by so many, it was such an incredible moment. And yeah, I've certainly uh, I've been to quite a few places before um, the the ocean race. I actually uh, went through the Northwest Passage and, and had those moments to kind of take in and see the polar bears and and um, see the scenery. But you know, when you're down there in the Southern Ocean, you know, you're just trying to. I wouldn't say survive. That's not right. The right word. You know, you're just trying to push and go as fast as possible. And every now and then, when you see another boat, you're like, okay, what can we do to go just that little bit more faster? Um, but yeah, no, you do get moments where you're certainly daydreaming. Sometimes daydreaming about the food you're going to get when you get ashore. Um, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> there's there's just nothing like it out there, eh? Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna go for it again. You know, you're lining up to go for it again. And and like I say, you know, you made this decision. Or at least there was a burning ambition during the last race. You were one of the earlier people to really kind of make your intentions known in terms of, I want to get a boat, I want to go and do this. So what is it that you're spearheading at the moment? You you know, you've, you've got a boat, everything in terms of sport has been on a bit of a pause, but there you are with a vessel now on the water, um, a New Zealand flagged entry. Yeah, it's... Um just a small undertaking um, <laughs> I, had i had a crystal ball and um been able to read the future i maybe would have made a few different changes or different decisions but um yeah i mean there's no doubt about it it's been really really tough for anyone um in sport over the last couple of months especially uh sports teams trying to get funding um i know we're one of the last 65s to go on the water and it's such a relief um, we were actually due to launch the boat um, the day we went into a nationwide lockdown down here here in New Zealand. Mm. So uh, we made that call about a week out. We could kind of see that the country was kind of moving towards that direction. Um, so when we did eventually get to this point, you know, down here in New Zealand, we've got our great coastal classic. It's our great race north. It's, it's not quite as long as your Sydney Hobart or your fast net race, but... It's, it's a good race. Um, and, you know, we, we had that kind of in sight as our first race that we would do on the boat. And uh, we were kind of like, well, do we just stay in the shed? Nobody knows about it. It's there. Nothing's happening. Or do we put the boat in the water, take a gamble and just go yachting? Um, and that's the decision we've made. You know, we've had the boat for well over a year. Um, so, yeah, just a massive relief just to be finally in the water. I can't, I can't, can't say it enough, babe. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a tough couple of months. It's been a tough couple of months for everyone. Um, but yeah, being able to be back on, on the boat and sailing again, it's awesome. And you know, when we kind of embarked on this on this journey, um, I spoke to Tony Ray, and him and I kind of came together, and, and his team manager and. And kind of out of that, it, it, it's interesting because I had never thought of myself as kind of being the skipper of, of a team. I just really, really wanted to make it happen. I really wanted to see a Kiwi team back in the race. And um, it's kind of evolved that I've kind of taken on that role. Um, but yeah, it's taken a lot of a lot of hard work and, and there's a lot of hard work still to go. Wait, well, I want to ask you so much about all that hard work because so many people want to stand at the top of Everest and enjoy the view, but very few people are actually prepared to do the climb. And it seems logical when you say, I wanted to be there and I wanted to do the race. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to put this team together. So so let's start then with your with your boat. Um, this is a boat that you know quite well. I mean, turn the tide on plastic, 
rebranded. It's already done two laps of the planet. It was only ever meant to do two laps of the planet, but the 65 is going to be back for another edition. What have you needed to do since it sort of came from the boatyard in Lisbon, I guess, to you? What have you needed to do to get it up to where you need it? Um, well, firstly, uh, we had to remove all the old branding, um, but you know, like, as you do, um, but we've, we've, we're really, really lucky. Um, we've had the boat in the boatyard and really we've just kind of been ticking away at it, kind of servicing things when, when people have been free. Um, there's not, not been a huge amount of work done to the boat other than just service work to make sure that it's up and running. Um, and you know, we've now got the boat in the water and we've done that really with just the support of businesses around us that really just want to see this happen and people that want to see this happen. Um, and you know, it, it was kind of strange kind of parking it for the first time without a keel. That was quite interesting because we actually had to, um, launch the boat without the keel and then motor it up the harbour, pull her out of the water, put the keel on and then step the rig. But yeah, she's quite quite an interesting one to drive without the keel attached. It's quite foreign. Um, but, you know, we're so lucky now that we've got the boat in the water and we're sailing. And, you know, with the current situation that's happening around the world, there's a lot of incredible ocean race sailors here in New Zealand at the moment. And, you know, we've had the opportunity to have them sail with us and also, you know, teach those younger guys different ways of doing things and for me personally I've already learned so much about what was kind of going on on different boats you could have one job but it can be done 10 different ways um and I've already been like oh I wish we did it like that that would have been way easier um but it's interesting when you get those different people and the different dynamics and um no it's been fantastic you know we've, we've also got Daryl Wisling around uh, on board at the moment and he's a huge wealth of knowledge. He's won the race twice in these boats. Um, so, that, you know, we're just trying to consume as much information from him as possible. And he's kind of going to help with the sailing team development. Um, you know, we've had Justin Ferris on board, Rob Salthouse, Ryan Houston, Karen McMaster. So we've got a huge pool of people to kind of pull from. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to sail with a lot more. There is, yeah, it's amazing the set of names. I'm just thinking about them now and I'm thinking, oh, I've got to... I must email them and find out whether they're free and whether I can do an interview with them. Because like you say, that there are some big names there. Um, you, so you've got your your choice, as you say. Some of the sailors are a bit grounded, so people are looking for things to do. This is a good course, you know, um, get people involved. But also you've got control of a boat that you sailed on as crew. Um, how does it feel to now be... One, to have that boat back and kind of, you know, slipping into a nice, you know, well-worn pair of shoes that you know so well. But also, it's now yours. You get to make the decisions. I mean, does that, is that a bit sort of, oh, God, you know, this is it's quite an honour, I guess. Yeah, it is quite an honour. It, it was kind of interesting. You know, the first time I stepped on the boat, I was like, wow, it's like, it's like seeing an old friend, but all the friends, but all the other friends are missing. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's quite surreal. Um, but it was quite, and, and kind of on the friends that were missing, I was actually walking through the viaduct the other day and Bledon was walking towards me and I hadn't seen him since the end of the race. So obviously he's down here for the America's Cup. So it was, and he said that he'd seen the boat. And so it was quite kind of exciting. And it, it, is, it is strange for me to be in this role. In the last race, you know, I, I was the last sailor to join the boat, to join the team. 
and I um, I wasn't um, didn't join the team as a helmsman, so I never really how I never helmed really during the race. So I'm I'm now getting that, that opportunity to do that, and and it's a huge it's yeah it's 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 um yeah I don't know <laughs> it, it does feel like a, a lot of um a lot of weight kind of sits on my shoulders, especially when it comes to certain aspects. Um, I'm having to learn a lot about, you know, people and people skills and, and management, I think is probably the biggest thing, but, um, no, it's been, it's honestly, I can't say enough. It's such a relief to have the boat in the water finally. And it's great to be out there sailing. And, you know, at the moment we just have, um, a group of sailors that we're developing and, you know, giving them the opportunity to sail on this boat. We're not currently doing trials or selections. We're just trying to kind of build these sailors abilities up and you know we hope to kind of get as many sailors in as we can now that we have that extended start line um and you know we're just pushing towards uh getting as much time on the water as possible and, and what is that like then in terms of every team that's announced is getting bombarded by young sailors who uh, like you did wants to get involved with the race. How can I do it? And and ultimately the only real way to do it, unless you've got a previous win in the race or, you know, 100,000 miles or uh, Olympic medals, you've got to knock on doors, you've got to send some emails. You know, how does it feel to someone like you who finally got to experience the race at the sharp end after watching it on TV screens and on dock sides for, for years? Now you get to grant somebody another set of young sailors, that experience. I mean, is that position a privilege or does it just come with a sort of crushing responsibility to pick the right people? I think it might become a bit of a crushing responsibility to pick the right people when we get a little bit closer to that start line, um, for sure. For now, I mean, at the moment we're in New Zealand and we can't bring in sailors from outside New Zealand at the moment. Um, so yeah, I think it will, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge honor, um, to be in this position. And every time I get an email from anyone, um, whether they're in New Zealand or Germany or America, um, I always give them the same piece of advice, um, do as much sailing as you possibly can get as many miles as you can, whether they're on race boats or cruising boats or somebody that just needs a hand with a delivery. Um, because you won't know if you like going offshore until you're actually out there. And it's completely different when you're cruising and racing, but you've got to get out there to experience it, to know if you love it or hate it, because that's kind of the situation. You will love it or you'll hate it. Um, and then I kind of just let them know, you know, there's, there's a few qualifications that you can get anything that you can do to kind of get your CV to stand out. Um, it's kind of, I'm trying to give everyone the advice that I was given when I was sending a million emails to absolutely any email address that I could get my hands on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not easy. And I'm, I'm guessing it's not easy for those, for those people that come on any boat to sort of stand out. I mean, one final sort of question on that was I've always wondered about this one from someone like yourself who's been on it one side and now finds themselves through their own diligence and hard work in a position where they can, you know, uh, you know, look in the other direction towards other people. Um, when somebody steps on board your boat or when you're getting these young people on, you know, with New Zealand and, and they want to impress, you know, they want to make a good impression. What is it that you're looking for in your crew members or, you know, your people that maybe will join the team later on or maybe just someone that to rely on for the next few months? What do you look to stand out from people? 
Right now, it's, it's, it's quite interesting that you asked that. I'm certainly looking for people that ask a lot of questions because the more questions you ask, the more knowledge that you'll get. And also the people that you can see that maybe have a little more experience, but they're actually also showing other people on the boat how to do things. So um, it's interesting. I've had, I've, I've had a different group of people and it's the people that ask a lot of questions that also at the same time are teaching as well. And also re- like, cause those sorts of people you can tell are the real team players. It's the people that hop on board and have to touch every little, every single rope on board and, and hop on every single handle and, and t- be in every position. Those are the ones that are, that are quite hard to kind of manage this early on. Um, also, I think leading, because when you hop onto a boat, you, you know, you have to kind of, you find yourself in a particular position and, you know, everyone hops on board and has to kind of like feel the water and, you know, see what the situation's kind of like. But I really, I have a huge amount of respect for people that ask questions, mm. um, especially people that have never sailed these boats before. I mean, once you start getting on them and you're actually teaching people how to sail, then you realize that they're actually quite basic um, in terms of how things work because um, there's no electronic winches or, or you know, locks with um, buzzers and stuff on them. So that they are quite simple. Um, but, yeah, it's the people that are asking questions, people that are, you can see are really trying to teach other people around them. Yeah, that's the sort of um, sailors that um, – that are great to be around at the moment. Did, were you like that when you jumped on board? Because asking questions in that situation, when simultaneously you're trying to come across as, I'm a sure bet, I know what I'm doing. Asking questions can feel like an admission of a lack of skill. I mean, and, and I completely agree with you, actually. It's a courage to be curious and improve, which is a good thing, but it's not easy to do, is it? It's definitely, it's definitely not easy to do. Um, and I also think that when I joined the team, I joined the team just before we were about to start the race. And I, I kind of didn't have a choice but to ask questions <laughs> because I didn't want to screw anything up or, or break anything or, or, or make us go any slower. Um, also, I, when I hopped on the boat, Dee told me that my, I was doing pit and I needed to own pit. So I was just trying to learn as much about pit as I could possibly do in such a short time frame um, and do it. I, well, I hope I did an okay job. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I, I stayed on board for the whole race, so I must have done something right. That's always a good mark. That's always a good mark. Um, well, let, let's turn to you then. Let's turn to you because it was interesting that you talked about um, a minute ago, you know, you were mentioning sort of managing people. And um, about a month, I think more than a month ago, I spoke to Joanne Richon, who's the skipper for the Mercury Foundation boat um yeah very successful sailor you know like yourself you know been there done that new to the race and he was talking about the things in his life and his sailing that have taught him those science of leadership shall we say you know how to manage people how to get the best out of yourself all those things that wouldn't necessarily come to the top when you think about sailing skills have you identified any areas in yourself or have you already had a chance to go that I've learned that I've sharpened that up. I, I, I've realized that I need to look at these things. That's going to make me a good skipper. Oh, I think I have a very, very long way to go. Um, <laughs> I have, I have a lot to learn and I, um, yeah, I think, uh, definitely the way you approach certain situations, um, is something that I'm learning more and more 
about and different ways that you can approach situations without upsetting people, um, especially because we're, we're so early in a campaign that it's, it's the last thing that I kind of want to do is to <clears throat> say something to discourage someone or to upset them. Um, but also at the same time, you know, we're, we're at a point in this campaign where we kind of are moving forward quite, quite quickly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, actually Dee, uh, gave me a book that she said that I should read very early on. Um, and I'm slowly making my, uh, way around it, uh, way through it. Sorry. It's called, uh, turn the ship around, um, which is very interesting. It's about different leadership skills and, and kind of how, how to manage people in, in certain situations. Um, but yeah, we're, we're quite lucky. We haven't, we haven't spent any nights offshore yet. I don't know if that's lucky, but I mean, I haven't quite gotten <laughs> to that stage yet of, um, you know, going offshore and, and having to manage people when they're tired or hungry yet. Um, so we're kind of very early in those stages so far. We're, you know, keeping our crew well fed, uh, well hydrated. <laughs> and, um, no, I still, I, there's a lot to learn and um, I'm certainly learning a lot more about it, but I found that, you know, you can go from managing sailors uh, to managing people kind of on the shore side to managing what goes on social media to looking at the accounts. So yeah, it's, it, I feel like I, I kind of have to juggle the hats that I wear. Um, but yeah, no, I'm learning a lot <laughs> and really taking on a lot from the people around me as well. You know, if I've got any, if I'm not quite sure how to handle a situation, I called Daryl the other day and I said, oh, I need some advice. And he goes, oh, my dad's in the car. And I said, oh, maybe he can help me too. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, was, I, I'm very, very lucky that I have the people around me that I can kind of lean on and get advice on. And um, no, it's great to have that support. Well, uh, I want to ask about Tony Ray and Daryl and all the rest of it, because that must be, that must be quite an honor um, to sort of have these people on tap. But, you, you know, you mentioned D. No skipper is perfect and no relationship between the skipper and the sailor is perfect. But I wonder with the skippers that you've been under, like Dikafari in the last edition of the race, has there been any examples of that was a good way to handle that? That was a good way to motivate us there, keep us safe, keep us performing. You know, did you, have you been able to sort of plow through and sort of, you know, reap some good memories and go, if I'm in that situation again, that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah, de definitely. Especially with Dee, she was very good at um, kind of motivating us as a team when we were quite down, especially kind of towards the end of the race when um, kind of the comms that were coming around our team were, oh, you know, maybe they'll get a podium finish for this one. And, oh, you know, oh, turn the on plastic, they're out in front. Maybe they'll get a podium finish for this one. And for us as a team, that was a, obviously we wanted a podium finish. But the more and more it was talked about, the more heavy it weighed on our shoulders. And um, Dee was quite kind, kind of good at kind of upping us and being like, look, we're, we're, we're capable of doing this. Um, we can do this as a team. Um, yeah, so she was, she was very good at that, especially kind of down in the Southern Ocean, in, this, in the second Southern Ocean leaving Auckland. Um, yeah, she was, she was a great leader um, and very good at kind of motivating us and some of us sailors when we're kind of cold and tired and kind of not really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and um, no, so she was, she was great like that. And I've also been extremely lucky in that, you know, my, my sailing outside of racing, um, working on super yachts, I worked under some incredible captains, uh, who, who really had extremely good leadership skills, especially, um, 
when it came to, you know, managing people. Uh, so I've learned a lot of things off, off them that I'm trying to kind of cross over, kind of trying to join my two lives of racing and super yachting <laughs> together. Well, well, Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> well, no, but it makes sense. I mean, that's where you cut your teeth. And that, like you say, that's where you learn to love it as well. That's the bit where you realise, actually, I really do enjoy this. So, so let's fast forward then. Let's say after the next edition, I'm here and I'm interviewing um, one of the people off your boat. And I say to her, oh, you know, amazing performance, you know, incredible. Um, Bianca Cook, what kind of skipper was she? What is it that you want them to say? Wow. Um, that's a, yeah, I guess, um, she did absolutely everything she could to make sure that we were a competitive team, a (laughs) humble team, and we did everything we could to win that race. (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I'm sure you have something that you can imagine, but I could also see the your humble nature standing in front of that. So I will leave that one to you and you can kind of, uh, you can mull over that one uh, on your own. So let's let's talk then about Tony Ray. So you've got this, this team. You announced a long time ago your intention to go and do this. And like any team, every bit feels like a slog until you're there. And then you go, now we've got a boat. Oh, now we've got this and now we've got that. But all the way through this, you've had, like you were mentioning, you've had some pretty big names and some pretty broad shoulders to kind of, you know, bounce some ideas on. Um, Tony Ray working with you. This is a big name, not just in the ocean race, but sailing as well. I think he's done six campaigns in the ocean race, multiple America's cups. Um, What's the relationship like between the two of you? Is it, um, you know, in terms of decision-making in, in, in terms of responsibilities, is he a sounding board or, does he get actively involved in the kind of, no, 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 we need to do this. We need to do that. Uh, all of the above. Um, firstly, it's an, <laughs> it's an absolute honor to have uh, him involved. Um, I can't, we kind of spoke about it very, very early on. Um, and I kind of said to him, oh, I'll do this. If I'll only do this, if, if you're in it with me. And, and he turned around and said to me, well, I'll only do it if, if you're in it, which was a huge, a huge honor uh, for me to hear him say that. Um, and it's been a, a great working relationship, um, kind of moving forward and, you know, he's great to bounce ideas off. He's also great to kind of be like, right, I'm going to own this. I'll take this on. Let's move forward with this. Um, and the moment we're kind of splitting roles, um, with regards to kind of getting everything moving. Um, but he's been great at, um, you know, making sure that if there's something that needs to be done, he'll make sure it gets done. And, you know, it's, I've learned a huge amount from him um, already and I've got a lot more to learn, you know. As, as you said, sailed around the world six times and has done over what, eight America's Cup. So, um, excuse me. <laughs> um, he's got a wealth of knowledge there, but not only that, you know, he's an, he's an awesome coach, a great sailor on the boat. Um, he also, you also can't keep him still. It was quite... <laughs> We unfortunately, the first time we went out sailing, he was um, out with uh, Team New Zealand, and he, I, I felt, I, I was like, oh my gosh, we're, we, you know, we were only going out and testing systems, but he he said he was absolutely gutted, you know, we had been we'd been working on this campaign for so long to see the boat sailing for the first time, and he wasn't on board. So the next time we went out sailing, he um, he was 
like a kid in a candy store. Um, and it was, it was great to see. Um, and he, you know, he was bouncing all around the boat and doing, you know, showing the guys how to do main and talking about trim. And then we were looking at the graphics on the sail. <laughs> so we, we had our sailing hats on, but also maybe our marketing and comms hats on <laughs> as you do. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been great having him on board and he is sailing on board at the moment, coaching those younger sailors as well. So a huge amount of knowledge there. And as you say, he obviously loves it, but make sure I've got this one right. He's not lining up to be on the boat for the next edition. That's definitely not his plan. Um, he is the team manager. <laughs> he, um, <clears throat> He said, if, if, if I'm on the boat, something's gone wrong. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's how we put it. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's quite the right, the right thing to say. Um, but no, he, he's, he's really ambitious about, um, you know, training up these younger sailors and giving them the opportunities that he had when he was younger. Um, you know, he went to Sir Peter Blake before the Lion campaign and, and Peter Blake said, you know, you're too young. Come back to me when you're older. Um, so he joined Peter Blake for his Lion um, campaign, Steinlager campaign, and you know then he did New Zealand Endeavour and so on and so on. And um, so he's really, really excited about getting these younger sailors on board, giving them those opportunities that that aren't really around at the moment. And the whole the whole reason for this campaign is you know, and especially for Trey, as he said, he's been to the last couple of races and stopovers, and every time it comes to Auckland um they're always like oh it'd be so good to have a Kiwi boat back in the race you know there's so, lots of Kiwi sailors but it'd be great to have a Kiwi flag boat back in the race so that's what he's really passionate about and for us here in New Zealand it's all about you know reigniting New Zealand's passion for ocean sailing again because everyone remembers those you know those Blakey days the Steinlager days the New Zealand Endeavour days and you know people are starting to get excited about it again. It's really interesting you mentioned that because I'm sure it's not your your motivation and your intention, but when you get to the start line, um, there's going to be a lot of things that you will have achieved in terms of, one, bridging 10 years. It was camper, wasn't it? So, uh, you know, big gamp for any sort of New Zealand flagged entry. Then you've got female skipper. That's rare, but then a Kiwi female skipper, and I believe that would be a first. There's all these things... Uh, but I'm sure that's not why you're doing it. I'm sure that's not why you're doing it. But like you say, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of um, weight and pressure that kind of comes with that. And if I've got it, I mean, 31, I think you are. It's a big project for somebody in offshore sailing is comparatively quite young. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I think the thing that always the thing that always gets me is this um, first female Kiwi skipper. Um, I have to say it's it's not a statement that I'm a huge fan of. I think because one, it's not something I was even aware of until the media kind of made hype about it here in New Zealand, um, because there have been one. There's incredible uh, skippers that have come before me, both male and female. Um, Yes, I happen to be a female, maybe the potentially the first um, Kiwi female skipper. But I feel like that's a statement that's so bold that can't be said until we're actually on the start line of the ocean race in 2022. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge undertaking. And um, every time I hear that, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I won't say it again. <laughs> so now <Niall> never again. That's <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I yeah, I think I think it, yes, I'm probably pretty bold and and maybe a little naive. Um, but you know, we we are very lucky in that we do have a little more time. Um, but I'm also extremely lucky in that I have a huge amount of support by, you know, the people that I've, that have surrounded me just in the last couple of months. So, um, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to this journey. Um, and it feels a little longer now, but I think that's a good thing actually. Um, it'll give me a lot more time to, uh, you know, find my feet and yeah, it, it is a huge undertaking and, um, not one I take lightly at all. You're not, you know, you're not that bold. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're doing a good job, but it's not—it's not that unusual. Uh, Charlie Enright, Mark Tao, when they put together Team Alva Medica. I mean, I think when the race started, Charlie was your age, and I think Mark Tao is four years younger. So you know, and and look at what they've they've gone on to achieve. So, um, on on that on the age front, it's unusual, but I think that's becoming more and more respected. You, you sparked a little thought in my mind though when you mentioned the female sailors and I think that from my point of view I've been doing this interview series for a while now and we've been interviewing a lot of um, female sailors who have gone there and done the race multiple times uh, some of them um, do you have you seen any change now you know you're announcing you want to be a female skipper like you say that's not your your motivation and that's not really what you're all about but you are and for young some young female sailors that are growing up uh, they might empathize a bit more with you than they might do with a male sailor maybe not but do you see a bit of a difference when you walk into a room now in terms of you're recognized for a sailor maybe a little bit quicker than you would have been i don't know six years ago when in the ocean race certainly having females in was quite a rarity yeah it's um it's quite interesting, you know, obviously I worked on superyachts for so long and was a, a female in a male dominated industry um, and was kind of the only female on deck amongst males. And I kind of, I, I earned the respect that I needed in, in that particular position. And now I think we're extremely lucky down here in New Zealand in that it's very rare for you to find a boat that will go out club racing that doesn't have a female on board, but I also think, you know, there's been incredible, um, incredible sailors that have come before me, um, and that will continue to come after me. And it's, it's interesting, you know, it's very rare to refer to male sailors as male sailors. Mm. And I think as a female sailor in the industry, you know, we're kind of getting to that point where we're not female sailors, we're, we're sailors. Um, and it is definitely improving. Um, and it's fantastic to see, you know, the respect that, that I get um, when I walk into a room. And, and maybe people are a little bit surprised at first when I first meet them. But um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely changing. It's improved a lot. Um, I've been extremely lucky with my sailing career in that it's never really been an issue. In fact, I felt that it wasn't until I joined the ocean race that it was really hyped up and became an issue that I was never really aware of in my sailing background. Um, because I, my sister and I had always just grown up sailing with, with everybody, you know, and maybe we were the only females on board, but it wasn't a thing. Um, and that's, 
that's the situation now is it's, it's no longer a thing, you know, I've, we've had a lot of comments, um, on all of our social media saying, Oh, it's so great to see so many females on board. We're like, nah, there's, there's, there's 10 sailors, 10, 11 sailors. <laughs> okay. They might be female, but you know, and I think that's kind of where we're going to, you know, is that yes, there's still a long way to go. Um, but where we are at the moment is due to the incredible sailors that have come before us. Yeah, I, and I, I mean the the only thing I, I just add something to that. I mean I think it's interesting that it's I think it changes more the young male opinion when you, you go picture an offshore round the world sailor. You might now picture a female as many times as you pick a male because there's some great role models on either side, and they're just in terms of sheer numbers. So I imagine for your outlook and your mentality, it hasn't changed anything. But I think the next generation has horizons potentially been been a little bit broadened. And hey, there's just more good sailors for people to look up to. Um, but you mentioned generations. Is it interesting having someone like Tony Ray that has done so much in terms of the race? Do you, you know, you're a youth team. I mean, that's that seems to be where you're kind of batting from. And you've got some people. Do you ever sort of get, do you ever see those stark differences between how much the race has changed, the attitude of the sailors has changed, and the lifestyle of being a yachty has changed over the years? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I definitely, definitely. There are certain things that you're like, huh, interesting. <laughs> um, but also, t- Tony Ray was in his early early 20s when, when he first did the race. And, you know, when they did the race, and when it was the Whitbread, they had a chef on board. Um, so, you know, they're going around Cape Horn with roast chicken. Um, <laughs> whereas we're lucky if we get roast chicken freeze dry. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's definitely, definitely um, elements that, that are very interesting, but also there's a huge amount of, of knowledge and wisdom there too. Um, but in saying that, there uh, Tony Ray is, is extremely open to um, you know the younger sailors, not necessarily like telling him how to do something, but more asking him the question in a in a way that's like, well, what about if we did it like this? And um, he's completely open to it, which mm. is great. And you know that's where we're at with this campaign is that it's all about development right now. Um, so you know everyone's kind of learning things differently and and learning different ways of doing things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, uh, people's, um, you know, outlooks on, on how certain things have to be done because that's the way that it's always been done. Um, but we're really lucky in that, you know, everyone's got a completely open mind and, and, you know, we're, with all these incredible sailors coming on board, you know, it's, it's all about consuming as much information from them as possible. Um, like I said earlier, there's 10 ways to do one job and we'll find one way that works best for us. <laughs> Do you um, do you ever get starstruck? I mean, you're coming into contact with some pretty big names. Do you ever get starstruck? I, I'll, t- I'll tell you when I was starstruck. I was starstruck when we were um, going to the start line for the Sydney Hobart race um, in 2018, and it was on wild, the Wild Oats 66 oh, yeah, with wow. Ocean Respect Racing, and uh, I was on the bow with Caroline and. Um, Karen McMaster and uh, Katie and I was on the bow going, wow, I can't believe I'm about to do the Sydney Hobart with you guys. <laughs> I was completely starstruck. And um, they turned around to me and they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, 
you guys have been my role models for the like last 10 years and now I get to do one the Sydney Hobart for the first time but the Sydney Hobart with with these with you as incredible sailors and yeah that, that's definitely when I became starstruck sorry to all the guys that have been sailing with us recently but yeah that, 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 that was my moment <laughs> um and you know I'm really really lucky like Karen McMaster you know she kind of became a, um, a role model for me, especially after the Sydney Hobart, you know, and she's been a huge um, sounding board for me. And uh, we had her out, say, um, had, sorry, she came out sailing with us a couple of weekends ago. And it was just, it was just fantastic to, to have her a part of, you know, the, the bigger picture. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my starstruck moment was uh, Sydney Hobart race 2018. <laughs> um, d- does that ever stop? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to an interview that I did with Dee and Dee was talking about every single time she walked in to do the press conference, she'd feel like she didn't belong there as in, wow, look at all these amazing sailors and there's me. Do you think you're ever going to kind of get over that moment where you'll sail with these people and you'd go, yeah, I mean, they're probably really excited about sailing with Bianca Cook. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I think I'm, I'm with D there. Um, I'll definitely, like, I felt like that every time I stepped on the boat, um, for the race, you know, every time we were there and, and we're starting a race and we're sailing with amazing sailors, but also against amazing sailors in the ocean race. And I don't think I ever got over that feeling. And yeah, I'm, I'm with D. I, I to be able to stand even alongside D, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge honor and one that you almost don't feel like is, is yours. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm still trying to get used to, um, kids saying to me, Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You know, <laughs> we, um, we see you as such a role model. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it's an inter- it's a strange feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it comes with a burden as well. And I'm sure ultimately it's rewarding. And on that, thing about rewards your campaign at the moment is in the part where it's probably the least rewarding you're here to do the race and the race is some way off and the bit that you're in now is the unglamorous you know workout in terms of right we've got to bring all these different parts together so you know the next sort of few months obviously with the you know the pandemic and the restrictions we don't quite know exactly which ways are going to go but what are your immediate focus your immediate goals maybe some milestones that you're trying to get a little bit closer um one thing that we've kind of realized is we're down here in new zealand is that we can only control what we can do here in new zealand at the moment um, it's fantastic to see the Europe uh, race just announced. Um, mm. I find it very, I don't know if we'll be able to make it there. Um, but like I said, we can only control what we can control. Um, so, you know, at the moment, our plan is to obviously do this great uh, coastal classic race um, to Russell. That'll be our first race. Um, that's next Friday, which we're, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because last year, um, the organizers of the race said, Oh, you know, you'll be on the start line. And I said, the boats only just arrived in the country, so we won't quite make it. But, um, you know, we had all these races lined up that we wanted to do this year, but it's, it's actually, you know, I'm, I'm really excited that this is going to be the first race for the boat. Um, after that, uh, we have a couple of local long mile races that we'll get involved in, um, and we'll plan to do kind of a bit of a tour around New Zealand, giving back to the communities, you know, that, sorry, giving back to the communities that 
you know, won't usually see one of these boats. Um, and there's just so many young kids that are really, you know, starting to get into sailing or, or don't know about sailing. You know, I've never, you know, never even seen one of these boats before that we really want to, you know, kind of, kind of go back to the thing of, you know, really igniting their, their passion for, for ocean racing or ocean sailing. And, you know, if we can inspire some young kid down in Dunedin um, to get into ocean sailing, then, you know, that's a huge achievement for us. And obviously, you know, we love to be, uh, you know, on the start line of the Sydney Hobart, um, probably not this year, definitely, hopefully next year. Um, but yeah, so we're going to kind of start with kind of what we can do here locally. Um, and then we'll start doing those longer miles, working up those, uh, skills and those younger sailors. Um, and then 2022, hopefully making the start line of the ocean race. <laughs> that is the ultimate goal, uh, for sure. We've, we've, it feels like a very long way away and like we've got a lot of work to do before we get there. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, we just got to work on the small steps now and um, hopefully we excite some sponsors by just being out there as a big, huge billboard saying your name here, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, we've, we've got a long way to go, but, but it's just great to be back in the water, back in the water and, and sailing around the Hodaki Gulf. I mean, from my experience anyway, from what it's worth, I think the first thing that you need to carry you through all the highs and lows is the passion for it. And you've definitely got the passion for it. Um, Bianca, I know you've got a full day. It's, it's just morning where you are and it's nighttime here. So um, let's, let's say our goodbyes, but we're going to be watching you guys very closely. And good luck when you guys start getting your racing miles under your belt. Thank you so much, Mal.